That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Burn it. Make it. Do it. Makes us. Welcome, everybody, to episode 53 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, we are here with a full crew today. Holy Ooh. shit. Uh, I am Luke Matthews, and I am joined this morning by Eddie Isaac. Cough, cough. And Bean. Hello. Joel Simon. Sup. And Andy Padel. Hi. Intro ruined. I forgot how to pod. Sup. It's ruined. It's ruined. I forgot how to podcast. Uh, this episode, we are reading Stumptown by Greg Rucka and my, Matt, Matt Southworth. It is an Oni Press book. Um, it's a kind of a noir story set in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we will talk about that later, but since we've got the full crew together for the first time in a long time, uh, I think we're we're going to start off by talking about what we're reading because we haven't done it in a while. Uh, and I, I actually want to start this one because I, there's two specific books. I posted reviews of both of them to to the website, so if you want to go read my reviews, you can. But I'm going to talk about them here. Um, the first one I want to talk about that everybody, 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 everybody should read is Matt Fraction's new book called Sex Criminals. It is. I heard about that. What? It is so good. It got 10, 10 out of 10. Like it is okay. so good. Okay, so it's Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. And it is... Here, here's the thing about this particular book is that I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't even want to... I walked into the book knowing nothing other than the creative team and the title. And that made the experience of reading the book so much better. I don't even want to, I don't even want to talk about the actual premise of the book because when they reveal that in the first issue, it is such an awesome reveal that I just want to tell everybody to go out and read Sex Criminals. Uh, the the warning, of course, is that if you don't like um, adult sex sexy sex time, it's, it's, it's NC seventeen. Yeah, if you don't, it, it's well, it's probably R. But if you don't like sexy times and nudity, uh, don't don't Ta-da! read it. But <laughs> Mr. Nasty Time. But it is it is absolutely phenomenal. Everybody needs to go read it. It's um, what I said in my review too is that uh, Fraction in the past has been one of those writers that I will read anything sight unseen. Yeah, because uh, his shit's so good. Um, Godzilla. <laughs> but Satellite Sam uh, gave me pause because it's not good in my opinion like there are people who like it but i didn't like satellite sam at all and it was one of those things where i bought satellite sam sight unseen because of matt fraction being the writer and then the combination of the story which didn't interest me at all and fucking howard chicken's infuriating art uh i just had i was just not interested so walking into sex criminals i was oh, i had a little bit of <laughs> yeah a little bit of gonna be so many am- amazing sentences in this discussion <laughs> it, i was like I was wary of it. I was like, ah, is this really, is this going to be as good as people say it is? Because people said that Satellite Sam was fucking awesome and I didn't like it. And no, I, every page of it is fucking amazing. So it's one of the best comics I've read in a while. Uh, and the second book that I want to talk about is called Rat Queens, uh, written by by friend of the show, Curtis J. Weeb. Um, Curtis Weeb writes, he wrote uh, Green Wake, he wrote Debris, he wrote... Um, uh, he writes Peter Panzerfaust, uh, and this book, Rat Queens, is it's 
it's a D and D campaign with uh, anachronistic language and an entirely female cast. Um, so it's like battle, mm. battle chasers, but better. Quite a bit better. Um, it's centered around. So it's it's an interesting thing where it's it's centered around a mercenary group of four uh, four women. Um, who are effectively a D and D adventuring party, if you think <laughs> about it that way, um, who uh, are kind of in competition with with several other mercenary groups that have been hired by this town called Palisade to keep the town, you know, to clear out the bullshit in the town. Um, and it's it's got this interesting feel because it's like it's like D and D mixed with roller derby a little like the feel of roller derby okay. where you got like the you know these kind of these groups of these basically teams that are kind of constantly in competition with each other mm-hmm. um very anachronistic language so it's not like this stilted high fantasy bullshit it's like modern language um one of the women calls the bad guy dick cheese at one point so <laughs> that's the kind of the kind of thing you're looking for it's magma so it's like a <laughs> what is it skull crushers it's it's a little bit like skull crushers yeah um i think it's actually better than skull crushers it, bar you know taking into account that there's only one issue um but i actually i really enjoyed it it was it's it's a lot of fun especially if you're into fantasy if you're into anachronistic fantasy at all um like and that's sort of your jam and that's sort of my jam i i I like it a lot. So anyway, th- those are the two, uh, aside from the other things that I'm reading, like I'm still reading Suicide Risk and Six Gun Gorilla and all of those other fairly new books and they're all phenomenal. But uh, those are the two that everybody really needs to go out and grab right now and read. What about you, Eddie? What have you been reading lately? Wow. So it's been a while. Mm. Yeah, no shit. Still, uh, still reading Captain America. Very pleased with it. Uh, Rick Remender and that creative team on that book is, is awesome. And it's Romita that left the book, not Remender, yeah. by the way. The, he got replaced yeah. by um, Carlos Pacheco. Yeah, you you can tell there's a slight difference in the. Uh, it, it's similar. It's it, the art is similar, but it's it's. You, I mean, you're able to. Yeah, yeah. You're able to tell, but um, it doesn't really change anything. The 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 seek the, not sequence the. Plot? No, not the the, the plot. The lining. The no. Gutters, <laughs> panels, oh, the sequential art. The, the there we go. There we go. There we go. The the writer and the artists are still working very well together, even though they even though it's changed. Um, the Zola arc finally ended in the book, and they're moving on to the next part. But it was a. Uh, it's um. I guess that's the second. It covers the first and second trades, and it's it's definitely worth reading if you haven't picked it up. I'm reading. Um, I actually, I, I actually dropped it. I, uh, really. Yeah, I don't know. I, I the Zola arc was fine, but there's just there was just something like I was just losing interest. And it's not that it's. it's I actually think the Zola arc ran too long, really. But yeah. it was good. But it was good. It was still it was still good. The um, I will say so. I had I I had said bad things about the X Men book, the one with the all female team. Right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah that's it's not good. Brian Wood. Yes, I had said bad things about it. I read issue one. However. I I read a review online. I read issue two, and I like it. Okay. I don't. I've read and and I and I've got like four other issues sitting there that I have to read, and I'm actually interested in the book now. Huh. Um, what you caught to, you? I'm curious. So, so what, what what caught me was at first Kitties. it seemed. <laughs> There's so many boobs in there. There's just boobs everywhere. That's the only reason why you read books. Yeah. Every single panel. There's, There's at boobs. Least There's at least two. Two sets of titties. No, just two. 
Like do, one set. There's, there's one panel that, that actually is the exception. Seriously? Like <laughs> fucking seriously? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So like I'm hoops. pretty sure like that one. this is not the conversation that Brian Wood had intended when he, re- he when he decided to write a book with an all female cast. Yeah, it's got boobies that it got a ton of boobies that it. That's why we're, that's, we're, you know the listeners need to know this information. Uh, boobs. And, and and white girl booty. So so plot that <laughs> so, we were talking anyway, about. Actually, so originally when you start reading it, it's really it is boring. I will say, like the first issue is is boring, and you're like, why is you know it's Jubilee, and, and Jubilee has never really been an exciting character to me. She's yeah. always been like a D lister kind totally. of like you know she's one of Wolverine's many uh, estranged estranged, uh, estranged uh, baby mamas. Oh dear. Along with no. Kitty Pride, along with Kitty Pride, Jean Grey, it's Kitty Pride, Jean Grey, and Jubilee. It's, no, I think Jubilee, it's a harem. Jubilee, so it's, Jubilee, wasn't she Jubilee, a vampire? And there was a weird thing yes, happening. Yes, Jubilee yeah. has never been a romantic interest for Wolverine. No. She's always been. It's more like, of a father, it's a father daughter a father kind of, father of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the way I described it. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you guys know about the uh, the first issue where Jubilee sort of was officially part of the X Men? No. How what? they met her. She, there was a shopping segment with yeah. the female cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And she was being hunted down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was that like on that's the right, X-Men yeah. cartoon, the first they, episode? No, that was, was the actual the X-Men comic. 80s, yeah. I mean, that's But they did they did apply that to yeah, the cartoon. Yeah. That's how they found it. Yeah. But plot. So plot, right? Okay. But so originally, it's really, it, it's honestly, I'm telling you, like, if there's, if there's 24 pages in the book, 20 of those 24 pages are just like, uh, uh, the last four pages do it, though. Because you, you, they introduce you as to why she's got the baby, what the importance of the baby is. They introduce a, a, a anti-hero kind of, and they introduce the antagonist. And it's in those four pages, it makes the book. You want to know what's funny about that, though? Are you ta- you're talking about the first issue or the second issue? The it's like the, f- the end of the first issue. Yes. Um, th- here's I, I'm just gonna spit this out because I've talked about X Men a couple of times on the show and and told why I don't like it, mm-hmm. and um, I'm. I'm not intending necessarily to color your opinion as much as warn you. Um, that plot line that they set up in that mm-hmm. first issue lasts for three issues and then it's done. Really? Yep. Over. And that's why that's why I gave up because I'm like they're Aww. setting they like I you're right. The first issue mostly boring. Then the end of it kind of sets it up. Then the second issue, some pretty cool shit happens, yeah, yeah. and then the third issue, it just fizzles to a halt, and that's it. And I'm just like. Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, thank you for killing my buzz, sir. Well, I, 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 well, I, you might, you might, like, I've, I've read issue four and five, and they're, they're okay. Like, issue six um, is a crossover issue. It's with something else. The with, infinity thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. It's with, uh, but, no, I don't know. Anyway, though, but, um, infinity, I have to, I have, I picked that up. Issues one, two, haven't finished that yet. However, though, the third thing I want to talk about is I've been reading Superior Carnage. I think it's got to. I think it's going to have a short run, though. I think it's only supposed to be like six issues or yeah, something yeah, that's like what that, I've heard. right? But the concept of Superior Carnage is interesting. Is as interesting as it is redundant with Superior Spider-Man, and here's why, right? So Superior Spider-Man, as, as everybody should know, and if you don't know, spoiler alert, um, is is Doctor Octopus, right? Because he swapped bodies with Peter Parker. So so basically, we've got this genius level intellect. I mean, not saying that Peter, Peter Parker, of course, was a genius, but this genius level mad scientist intellect now with the powers of Spider Man, and they do the same thing in Superior Carnage. The Wizard shows up. He manages to transfer um, this this genius level intellect mad scientist into uh, the symbiote. He manages to 
make Ugh. take the symbiote off of Cletus Cassidy, who's who's been lobotomized and no longer and the symbiote now controls itself. Cletus Cassidy has no control. And <laughs> I'm sorry, out of now, context, just there's a lobotomized Cletus Cassidy. Lobo- <laughs> yes, lobotomized <laughs> Cletus Cassidy. And the symbiote is posted onto the doctor, who also was a paraplegic and now can walk due to the powers of the symbiote, and then Wizard take control of him and now has control of Carnage, who now has genius level intellect in the addition to symbiote powers. <laughs> Huh? What? It's but, like they took everything from the Spider-Man villains <laughs> because paraplegic. That's um, Flash Thompson from yep. Venom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. correct. Mm-hmm. Genius intellect from Superior yep. Spider-Man, and like, oh, let's just all put this all into one. All the goodness. I mean, seriously, it's the new Venom run. It's the new Venom run. Superior Spider-Man and merged into one. Superior Carnage. The only yeah. reason I really bought it is because one, it's six issues is a short run, and two, it's Carnage, and Carnage never really gets that. You know any type of showtime because well he's carnage. He maximum carnage from well, way back in the day was like his one moment. That, to shine. that was it. One. That's because one sh- carnage isn't a character like no. Venom. Venom, there was a reason behind. Like uh, the whole origin of Venom, where you know the symbiote comes to Earth and becomes Spider-Man's black costume for a little while. Spider-Man realizes what it is and manages to discard it, and it latches on to somebody that hates Spider-Man and mm-hmm. feeds off of his anger uh, and his cancer, and you know turns himself turns himself into Venom. That's like there was a storyline there. Yeah. Carnage was like Venom shits Gave out a birth. baby, yeah. and it gets attached to a, a psychotic serial killer. serial killer, and then it's just... Kill, 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 kill crush everything, kill, kill, I've, murder, murder. I've no, you're always right. hated Carnage because Carnage was just a... He was a... He's a character uh, that purely exists just because of another character. Right, like, well, in his it's, own realm, and he it's wouldn't not just exist. that. It was, it was like... It, it was, Carnage ended up existing... Uh, solely as part of the '90s extremism comics, the yeah. the oh, like, yeah, oh, sure. Venom, Venom clearly isn't you know extreme enough for us anymore. So let's fucking make Carnage so we can just go. Well, because he kills them. Well, because yeah. Venom went from well being set. a straight yeah. villain. Because yep. Venom went from being a straight villain to like an antihero. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, occasionally I'll do some good things. This and that. He even had his own run, uh, Lethal Protector, which was like mm-hmm. uh, like twelve mm-hmm. issues or something yeah, like that. Anti Venom. Yeah. The, so. You know, so it, but Carnage. I guess they would like they wanted to create a symbiote that was strictly strictly a villain and never Stric- would be. strictly a villain with zero depth, like yeah. nothing. No, about he has no. He has, you know, he, he, has, he has no depth whatsoever. Uh, no. But he's like red and no, black instead no depth, of just black. No guys. depth. No depth. No personality. No anything. Like yeah. nothing. No in nothing interesting about the yeah, character. Carnage is pure id. So what character development can you get from that? Yeah, and yeah, it's it he's not only pure. It, but doesn't he seems like he doesn't have a narrative arc like he doesn't want anything no, other than just no, just destruction, no, yeah, yeah. destruction. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing frankly, yeah, Cletus, Cassidy, his name. Cletus Cassidy didn't even really have uh, a, a like an antagonist he didn't he didn't have anybody that was you know that he was he wanted to go after at least you know when when Venom attached itself to Flash Tom, or not uh, to Flash Thompson. to Flash Thompson it was like um or no, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock. Eddie Sorry, Brock. not Flash Thompson. Eddie, Eddie Brock. Brock. When he attached himself to Eddie Brock, motivation they had, they both had that motivation to Peter Parker. Right? Yeah. Uh, Venom was like, "This fucker discarded me, yeah. and I want to get back because the endorphins that Spider Man pumps out was like drugs to the Venom symbiote." Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So he puts himself on. Eddie Brock because Eddie Brock is like I want fucking Spider-Man dead. Well, he wanted Peter Parker or dead. Peter Parker dead. Peter Parker and dead. so then they both have this like motivation, something to give them to to make them an antagonist for for Peter Parker. And Carnage, like Cletus Cassidy was just like, yeah, I like killing people. And Carnage is like, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And that was the whole. That was their whole thing. It was just pointless. Yeah. So that. So that how, do, how does Sandman? I like money too. This? Because I've only seen the movies on Spider Man. <laughs> and I, I don't. I don't get the. Well, the, the thing is, there's this this dreamy guy that shows up in Peter Parker's bedroom. <laughs> 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 Never mind. That was my own. Oh, oh wow. fanfic! Wearing a fanfic. mask and a, a mask and a ball gag. Yeah, Carry, carrying <laughs> so a banana. Is, what is I'm the deal with <laughs> Spider Man villains? They just. Spider Man, they just sip on haterade. They're just like, no. I hate Peter Parker. No, Spider Man villains. Man. A lot of people man. love Spider Man, but I will say this: I believe that Spider Man, as an A list character, has the worst lineup of villains of, <laughs> any, of yeah. any hero in the Marvel. Mysterio, yeah. Yeah. a stays a stays hand. The, the Electro, hey, do not underestimate the wrath of stagehands. Uh, Venom and Doc Ock are fine. I will give you that. I will give you Venom and Doc Ock. And and. It, Comic book Sandman is okay. Like they've done some good things with comic book Sandman. Movie Sandman was dumb. Vulture, yeah. Vulture's fucking horrible. Horrible. Craven the Hunter is fucking horrible. No, actually, Cra- actually, Cra- 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 no. Good. I, I will give you Craven. Craven was his best villain. Craven, Craven the Hunter was Spider Man's best villain. He's probably the most popular Spider Man villain. Uh, Doc Ock is most. That's popular. why they had the kill. Doc, I'm well, sorry, yeah. Doc Ock and okay. Venom have got to be most popular. Craven is popular. I just, I just don't like. I it. think it was Craven was popular because he was a regular man. He was that a, subdued Spider Man like a hunter. Huh. He's just the he he is he is Crocodile Dundee from New York, and he freaking <laughs> and like, he just hunted down Spider Man and made him look like a bitch. Like I have pretty read much. this fantastic book called The Most Dangerous Game. Peter Parker, you would be mine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, but other than that, his lineup of villains just sucks. Yeah. What about you, Ann? What have you been reading? Um, I I am on the secret secret subscriber list of people that gave money and therefore get to see uh, early the last Halloween by Abby Howard, which is going to be really fantastic. Uh, it's a it's a web comic. She's going to put up kind of larger chunks, probably the equivalent of three or four pages. Okay, about once a week, so less frequent updates, but more content. More content. Okay. Um, it's going to be really fun. I already have ranted about her other. Like sort of journaly comic, um, Junior Scientist Power Hour, right? Which is continues to be awesome <laughs> and ridiculous and hilarious. Um, and the last Halloween is that, but with a plot. It's it's. I feel like she's honestly this generation's Yana Vasquez. Okay, because she's she's super good at drawing like anatomically quote anatomically correct bizarre creatures. Okay, um, and she has a wacky madcap cast of characters. What the fuck? What dude? are you doing? Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> Eddie and I are Eddie having a moment. Eddie and Andy here are doing some kind of fucking mime sign language <laughs> over here. Like you don't need to worry about our conversation. There's an invisible pile of tribbles on the table, and you're tossing no, them over you your shoulder. No, but you should be worrying about our conversation. I know. I heard it. She was <laughs> talking about Abby's books and, and the web comic and how it's coming up on. And she's gonna be posting like three, four pages a week, less frequently, but more. Content. You know, just I'm because done. you know what I'm talking about when I call on you doesn't mean <laughs> <laughs> I will be teacher. Uh, I was listening. I swear, I was listening. I was not paying attention. He wasn't though. Anyway, um, I also read a book that I've had lying around in my house for a while. The Legend of Bold Riley, which is from Northwest Press. It's a collection of short stories of sort of like advent that it's okay. Like <laughs> here's the deal. I want to see this character in this world in a longer plot. Okay. Um because I think there's a lot to it. The legend of The Legend of Bold Riley. Bold Riley. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is he like is he like an Indiana Jones type character? A cowboy? She's a she. Oh, okay, she. And part of the shtick is that it's in like one thing that I like about it is it's sort of like vaguely based on India, 
in terms of a fantasy world. Like it's in a fantasy world, but it's not like congratulations, not we're in European, Northern Europe. Yeah, it's again. not European medieval fantasy. Okay. Yeah. Um She's a female, her name is Bold Riley. Yes, she's that's, also lesbian. That's impressive. So her she, parents she, named her Bold. Uh no. That's oh. like her. Oh, her, nom her de moniker plume. is that her moniker? That's her moniker. Okay. She needs some fucking Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> bold, bold, spicy, bold, bold flavor. <laughs> bold, her sister, spicy and cool ranch. <laughs> <laughs> cool ranch never made much of her life. No, but um, it's a really it's a cool character. Nacho cheese did. That's the more popular sister. <laughs> it's a cool world. If you want to get a taste of her character, go by Northwest Press other book, Anything That Loves, because that has a Bold Riley story in it that's oh, okay. better yeah. than the other okay. book. So that's ta-da. her cousin. Frito, <laughs> her cousin Frito Lay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what exactly does she do? She, uh, I mean, she does sort of standard barbarian stuff. Arch nemesis is so it's, a, it's a little, maybe a little Red Sonia like. Red Sonia like, just more seduction Ruffles. of just, women. Okay, okay, cool. Ruffles is the main antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, no, no, no. If uh, nah, <laughs> what's most important is that Eddie and I are having a very we're, good time. We've got synergy. We've got synergy today. We oh, have synergy. Boy. Joel, what do you want to talk about that'll be interrupted by these two chuckleheads? Um, okay, so comicsology something, something horrible dipped that back into it because I was on hates. some business trips and needed some stuff to read. So I read the finished uh, Legend of Luther Strode, and uh-huh. that is hyper violent. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Machete in Machete the movie. Machete, in, yeah, Machete. I really, I really want a comic book format. Uh, we're going to talk about that book on the show soon because uh, I have some, I have some opinions. You have some opinions. Can't say that. Opinions. Wait, Luther Strode or Machete? Luther Strode. Okay. You don't. You don't want to bring out the opinions right now. Um, no. Don't. I, no, because it oh, is something okay. that we'll talk about, and and actually, I think that'll be a really good discussion on the show. So you can you okay. can say whatever All you're right. going to say, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut for now. I I like it. It's a, like the second second part of it, and you know Luther Strode. They've gone through the origin now, and so now he's battling the. Um, the librarians' minions, because there there tends to be more of them, mm-hmm. and each mm-hmm. one of them has their own little shtick to it. So, this guy come out; he was kind of the the handler or the trapper, because whenever any of these people gain, gained these superpowers, mm-hmm. some of them would go a little crazy with it, and so he would have to lock them up. And this was the guy, so he was going to trying to handle Luther Strode. I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, it was really good. I, I recommend it. I also read um, the Grant Morrison run of New X-Men. Oh. Uh, definitely different. Grant tried to do his own little... New X- was like that he does. The was New that? X-Men. That was the one with White Queen and uh, That was Frank, Frank Quitely? I, like it was, it was... I think so, yeah. Morrison and Frank Quitely did the artwork. Frank, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm pretty sure that it was that's a, it was the death of Genosha. Yeah, 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 yeah. I read genocide of Genosha. I read the first part of that. Sorry. I read the first part of that series. I I want to go back to it because I really liked the writing, but I, we've talked about this before. I've never I'm not a fan of Quietly's art. Like mm. he he was fine in um, Flex Mentallo, and mm. I, I was okay with him there, but. Uh, New X Men was one of the places where I really didn't like Quitely's art. Like the only other comic book with Quitely art where it fit less than X Men was when he did All Star Superman, which was just f- it, that was a fucking terrible choice for a Superman artist. But anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it was yeah, it was Grant Morrison's little take on X Men, and I like it. He made his own own group and decided to take them the characters in a different like Beast was starting to lose his humanity. Yeah, I think that was the storyline. That was the storyline where he became cat-like, wasn't it? Yeah, like yeah, it was like oh, I'm, the, you know, I'm turning into a, a cat. Yeah, but he's still <laughs> and starting to lose his his. Uh, <laughs> I have an 
uncontrollable urge to scratch this couch. <laughs> pretty, actually, oh, pretty much. Beast pissed well, on the rug again. <laughs> that's that's what he was dealing with, and it, it brought in the the White Queen to X Men's intranet <laughs> meme site. Lol, beast. So, it, <laughs> why are you sitting on the fridge, Hank? I just beast. know you don't want me up here. <laughs> why are you looking at the wall? What's over there? Is beast. it some sort of threat? Is it Magneto? <laughs> Sentinels? What's going on? No, it's a laser pointer. Beast. beast. Beast, I can't feel my legs. Beast. <laughs> and, and this was the... Hank, <laughs> Hank, Hank, what the fuck are you looking at, Hank? Hank. There's a fly on the wall, there's a fly on the wall, there's a fly on the wall. Just, just leave me alone, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody get out the laser pointer. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking there's too many animals in the X-Men right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was also the origin of Casanova, um, the which the was zoo. brought in... T- it was also one of the characters that was brought in to... Um, why am I drawing a blank now? The Joss X-Men? Whedon, yeah, Astonishing yeah, X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This one's for you, more. So this is where she came from, and pretty much it was just <laughs> like this villain that comes out of nowhere and is like, I'm, she's kind of human, but she's not, but her whole thing is she evolves. Yeah. And so she wants to get rid of mutants for some reason, so then she's the ultimate predator, evolution predator. So they copied, they copied the one guy from the movie, Darwin. In like X two or X, oh, uh, first class X Men first class. It would class. have been. It would have been. This was well before first class. So if they put yeah. it in oh, first so class, they, it yeah, yeah. Been, so F oh, first class copied it. Yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this like new X Men came out like ten years ago. Yeah, it was it yeah. was a while ago. Um, and then also I finished up X Force, which I never did the the whole um, the first one, the second one, or the third one. The third one, Apocalypse, the end okay. of the Remender run, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good, and I like how he wrapped it up. I know a. a like a lot of my friends who had read it didn't really like where Remender was going with it, but I think he wrapped up everything nicely, and I enjoyed it. Is um, that is that yeah, run I, actually over? Or? Oh, yeah. Remender's so run is. The, yeah, the comic is still going, but rem- and is, I actually... Is, because they X-Force re- or, K- X- or Cable in the X-Force? Uncanny X-Force. Un- Uncanny X-Force. Uncanny X-Force. X-Force. Okay. Yes. Which is what I'm really, 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 really hoping that Marvel comes out with an Uncanny X-Force omnibus with just Remender's run in yeah. it that I can just buy in one big hardcover and be able to read through the whole series because uh, that's another book where that like uh, where they were doing the fucking four issue hardcovers for $35 oh a p- piece that makes me wow. want to shoot myself in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the great things about this is of course Nightcrawler is dead so they had brought over the Nightcrawler from the um, the Age alternate apocalypse time, Age of Apocalypse timeline mm. and this the Nightcrawler murder Yes, right. he, he's full of murder, and he wants to take out... So the, he's more like Azrael, then? He wants to take out Iceman, specifically from Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, well, he wants to take out all of the, the Brotherhood of, of Evil Mutants. And mm-hmm. so, because they had killed his wife, which was Mystique in, in that world. So how Whoa. he takes... Yes. It's well, the Age of Apocalypse world. It's, has Age all, of Apocalypse. it's, it's an uh, alternate universe. Yeah, yeah. okay. It's an alternate Wait, universe. Marvel says they're all in their alternate universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah. All, they, they re- so during this whole timeline with Remender, they revisited it in order to get some seed in order to save humanity in this universe. And when they did that, they brought back Nightcrawler from that world. Right. Over. They needed a reason it's, to bring back the character they killed and retcon his yes, death. Blah, blah, but blah, this blah. Nightcrawler is kind of... Um, he has, he's on the edge. Yeah, he has no scruples anymore. Uh, built so his house on a cliff. He huh? kills. He kills one person by jumping on their head and then teleporting away with the head. So that's the kind of person. <laughs> he that's awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. So one way, 
I've, and I've heard about this, but one way that he killed the blob I like, I like because head. he couldn't kill the blob was that <laughs> no he, one can hurt, he, no the, hurt blob. the blob. Exactly. <laughs> no. the blob he put a shark in his stomach. Yeah, so what he does is teleports his body. He teleports a shark into into the blob and then teleports out. And so the shark just eats the blob from the inside. Because you can't. It's amazing. It is. That is amazing. That's right. So do you rule me? I'm chaotic neutral. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. And then I read some some other some other books. Like uh, there's one post apocalyptic wasteland from Oni Plus. I just actually oh, yeah. brought. I just bought the first two hardcovers of that at PAX actually, and I'm I'm gonna read it. Like. Uh, I'm kind of liking it because it's post apocalyptic. It's yeah, a completely yeah. different world. They they went a different way with it because it's far in the future, so everything is kind of forgotten, and so. Um, what had caused the apocalypse is kind of now myth, mm-hmm, and people mm-hmm. don't really know what happened, but they have their own stories about it. Um, my, I, I like it, but one of the problems is is that there's two story li- two storylines that you can see that are going to collide. Sure, but they kind of how he jumps back between those two storylines is a little jarring. Mm-hmm. Like one page will be one storyline, and the other page will be the other, yeah. and they switch. And kind of no. Indi- is there any <clears throat> there's an indication like when he's switching or no? Uh, you can tell because the people are different. One okay. one is in a in a city, and the other one is the nomads that are coming to okay. the city. So and it's like well, you'd like a little bit more development for each of those storylines instead of just one here and one there. It's like jump cut, jump cut. So. Um, before before we before we move on to Andy, I got to go back because there's another comic book that I don't think I've talked about on the show, and I really want to talk about real quick. It's called Trillium. Have I talked about this yet? Okay, Sounds Trillium familiar. is a is a uh, Vertigo book by Jeff Lemire, and it is um, the first issue was was one of the best executed gimmicks I've ever seen in a comic book. The premise is you're following two characters, one in the uh, the mid thirties, one or twenty late twenties, I think, one in the very far future, like the three thousands of mm. some sort, and <clears throat> the one in the past is following an expedition to find a who called the cops on uh, <laughs> is is on an expedition it to find Griffin. a um, a Mayan temple, uh, and they're out in the middle of the jungle trying to find this temple and. The one in the future, is, the premise in the future is that humanity is dying from some sort of uh, infection that is following humanity from planet to planet and all the planets that it's colonized. And at this point in the storyline, there's less than 10,000 humans left. Wow. Um, mm. So this woman, the scientist in the future, is trying to trying to get access. There's They found an alien race, and they're trying to get access to... A, a flower, a trillium flower that has the power to create a vaccine for this this infection, mm. um, and the issue, the first issue, it's on issue three now. But the first issue is the only one that has this gimmick. It's a flip book where Ooh. you read the first, and it's and each half of the comic book is from the other character's perspective, right? So half of it's from the woman, the scientist in the future. The other half is from the, the dude in the past. Mm. And this is a little bit of a spoiler, but you kind of know where it's leading in the comic book anyway, is that she breaks, she gets into the alien compound and finds a replica of a Mayan temple and then goes into it and meets the guy in the twenties 
because it's the same Mayan temple, right? Mm. So he goes in, she goes in, they meet each other. That's where the issue ends, and that's why it's a flip book. Like, you read to the middle, and the last page of both stories is her meeting him from her perspective, Mm, and then you flip it over and read his story, and it's him meeting her from his perspective. And the book is... It is absolutely phenomenal. Like, is, the, is the whole series like that? A flip book? No. no, just no it's just book? the first issue. Okay. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Jeff Lemire's art. I love his writing, but um, uh, his, I'm not the biggest fan of his art, but it works really well in this book. And anyway, it's another book that I think, like... He, I didn't know he also made pencils. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did for... He drew um, Sweet Tooth as well. Oh, So okay. he wrote and drew Sweet Tooth. It's on you, Andy. I haven't read shit. <laughs> So for the last couple of weeks, we have been reading uh, Stumptown by Greg Rucka and Matthew Southworth. Or for the first half hour this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, it, is a, it is a four-issue miniseries by Oni Press. Um, it is a kind of a modern noir story. Uh, the, there's, there's an introduction in the book by Matt Fraction where he talks about... Um, Rockford Files a lot, <laughs> and that's that's very much a uh, just one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's very much a uh, uh, kind of the the feel of this book. It's, mm-hmm. It takes place centered around a uh, woman named Dex Perios, who is a, uh, a private investigator in Portland, Oregon, and that is one of the things about this book that I that I personally enjoy. And I'm it's it's happened a lot with the kind of Portland creative community for comics where. They're starting to set comic books in the Pacific Northwest yeah. because you know comic books are if they're not set in fictional cities they're usually set in places like New York, New York, New York, Chicago, New York Chicago, occasionally L.A. Yeah, um, and you don't you know the the there's so much of the of the high end comics community in Portland and Seattle and you and Vancouver and you never really see stuff set yeah. in the Pacific Northwest ever or even um, San Francisco or or like East Bay much and there's yeah. a huge comics community over there mm-hmm. Uh, so this one, it, it's kind of neat to read because it is set. There are some fictional cities. Uh, it's primarily set in Portland. There, uh, there is a fictional city called Coast City that is just kind of this an, an amalgamation of of several different um, Oregon coast Way towns. Way more exciting than seaside. real <laughs> Oregon coast towns. Yeah, um, but uh, the book the book is centers around her. Um, Dex has a, a gambling issue, and she gets into gets into pretty big debt with one of the tribal casinos in the Portland area. And the woman that runs the casino recruits her to uh, to go find her daughter, um, her granddaughter, her granddaughter rather. And, you know, on retainer, basically, we'll eliminate your debt if you go do this for us. Uh, and hilarity ensues. Um, hilarity, yeah, That's sort of one adjective. Um, one, we were talking about this last on the last show. Rucka is one of the few comic book creators in the in the community that focuses nearly all of his work on strong female leads. I can't think of a book that he's he um, mostly doesn't. just has like female characters. I was thinking about okay. it this morning. I was like, Gotham Central. Imagine, if you will, that more or less eighty to ninety percent of comics are written in the style of Greg Rucka in terms of gender parody like and then you'll know what it's like to be me in terms of like <laughs> representation it's like there's totally some strong male characters in there right Absolutely. they're they're you know meaningful and they have arcs um there's two <laughs> of them and there's like eight women but, you know, whatever. well most most uh, w- what's funny to me is that most of the guys in the book 
like hit women, like our women beaters. Like they, <laughs> they, they have no problem like slugging, <laughs> slugging a chick in the chin. I, I love like, the, the, the second fight um, at towards the end where she like hits the guy in the face. Oh, yeah. and she's like, I had to, I try. had to try, right? right? Like, that's he's respectable. Like, yeah, she, 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 she's like, plane. yeah, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. It's. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, I'm not. It, I'm not gonna say it bothered me. I just thought like. Uh, like I mean, because I don't advocate hitting women, I'm just like, man, like this dude, without even being like threatened, he was just yeah. like, boop. This <laughs> is well, like, oh god. <laughs> to be honest, one of the things that I actually really enjoy about, uh, you know, that aspect of the book is that when Rucker writes a, a strong female character, he doesn't. F- f- stupid pun. He doesn't pull punches with her. Hey yo. Um, where true. where because of the fact that she's strong female character, unlike you know the piddly bullshit we see a lot in comics she she just she's just a person she's a fucking pi and she yeah. deals with the same uh, shit that a pi would true. deal with yeah. regardless of whether or not she's female right yeah. she's it's just she's just a character she's I also, not a girl i appreciate yeah, I and, and that's why Rucka's good at writing women everyone's yeah. sub, somehow mystified like you're male and yet you write good women How? <laughs> well, well it does, it does, consider it does, them well, character. I write a character it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen often yeah, yeah. well Brian woods women are okay yeah, the thing the thing about Rucka too is that he writes um, almost entirely believable women, not just not just like strong female characters, but like Thank believably they're, realistic they're female like characters developed, and they have arcs yeah. and they have yeah. outside like they have motivations that are outside of the actual story itself, mm-hmm. which sometimes plays into how they react to situations. Like Whiteout mm-hmm. is a really good example. Yes, it is a phenomenal example. Um, but Movie, not so much. <laughs> Kate Beckinsale. One thing I appreciate about um, the main character in Stumptown Dex is that she's not like magically good at everything. She's yes. not. She's, a, she's not. She actually really sucks at a lot right? of things. <laughs> like she gets the shit beat out of her because she's like, "Well, fuck, this gun is not actually loaded." Yeah. yeah. Or, or yeah, when she's like uh, in the hallway and she meets up with the two girls, and then she just gets clouded on the Ooh, head because yeah. she's not paying attention. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God. And she comes out to the to her car, and the guys are waiting for her. And she's like, "Shit, son of a bitch!" The, fu- the funniest part was she gets she gets beat up by those two thugs, and then like shoved in a car by two other thugs. Uh-huh. And it's just like, damn, you have really bad luck. Like your day is just shitty. It's like I think that day culminates with her getting shot in the chest and crawling out of the mm-hmm. river, only to have a gun pointed at her by cops. Like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> damn, like, oh, God. So, so <laughs> We've yeah, all this, had days like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So this this very much uh, uh, kind of a standard noir trope that they handle really well, where the story starts out with her getting shot. Like, it shows her getting shot, falling in the river, and then rewinds time 27 hours. And uh, kind of shows her going through the process of, you know, being at the casino and getting into Hawk and getting hired and having to go f- having to go find this person. And I think the thing that I loved about this book when I got it, because I wasn't I honestly was not expecting much out of it. Mm-hmm. But when I when I read it, one of the things I liked about it is that it's just it's it's really good really good noir in that it is just normal people having Being, a really yeah. fucking bad day. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like, Damn, this sucks. Um, like, everybody in the book, there, there's nobody in the book that I found, like, over the top or not believable. There's no crazy villains. There's just, there's just, you know, the, the, the there's like a mobster, like a, I, 
is he Mexican? No, El, El, El Salvador, El Salvadorian, Salvador? MS-13, yes. yeah. So, yeah, El Salvadorian mobster and, you know, Native American casino owners and, mm-hmm. and proprietors and uh, regular stupid-ass people in the Pacific just Northwest. Regular, uh-huh. regular just everyday, like, everyday um, people just going about their business. And yeah. it is shooting, just, you know, shooting, shooting people shooting, in the river under the bridge, people, punching people in the face, dragging people in the cars. <laughs> a lot of an, a lot of androgynous and ambiguous relationships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, am I straight or, or 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 am I gay? Well, you'll never know, but I just tell you, you're not, you're not, you're my type. Like what? Like <laughs> wait, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I I, I mean, it, within that character, I appreciated that she just sort of like, uh, and I'm talking about the younger sister. Um, Isabel. Isabel. Yeah. Like, she just kind of bandies her sexuality she around. Does, she, like, does, um, she does. Because that's her currency. That's her it power. It's so funny. She says, well, my the bodyguard has had a crush on me for years, so I've always... I gotta try, fuck with him. I gotta keep him guessing. Yeah. But then in the next thing, she says, like, like, well, I haven't really decided. Like, it was, But or, at the same time, it seems like she and the granddaughter are... Are like an item. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's really... It's, 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 it's a very... I... That that's something that that surprises me a little bit about the way Rucker writes characters like that too is that um, he handles like you said she Isabel kind of bandies her sexuality around he writes her in such a way that she can do that and she doesn't like other writers would be more indelicate with it I guess is the best way to put it where the character would come across like would be presented skanky or mm. or you know yeah. slutty in a way where she never comes across that way in this no. book she huh. just comes across as as uh that's what she does it's just what she does it makes, sense. it makes sense for the character she doesn't seem like she he doesn't present it in a way that makes you think less of her if that makes any sense yeah. like she's where not a prevented lot of us, as villainous for having a sexuality right, exactly and and i really enjoyed uh i really enjoy his portrayals of the characters in this book and i think that's what i like about it so much is that he it's the storyline is pretty pretty linear to be yeah. honest it's pretty it's it's very it's like it's, a noir any other noir it's, it's yeah pretty straightforward Set story him up, knock him down with just so much character depth in such a small space mm-hmm. yes. Joel, what do you think about the book? You've you've been affirming a lot what? and not no, saying no. No, I okay. Silence so I really blinds. I really like Rucka. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I first I first read him when Andy lent me uh, Gotham Central, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was him writing without a female character. Some of them had female characters. There, I mean, there's the um, there's one of the sergeants, but the, she's not a central character. And she story. eventually turns into the question. Yeah. Yeah, but it was, um, and that, he is really good at, um, and then I read White Out and then Queen and Country. Queen and uh, Country I haven't read yet, I want to read Joel's though. not a big fan of Queen and Country if I remember right? No, I'm not. Yeah. I don't, I, because it was just kind of all over the place, you know, but I, I really liked White Out. I haven't read the sequel to that though, but he does procedural really well. Mm-hmm. He loves, mm-hmm. he, he loves like police and investigations and going through finding out different clues and whatnot. Yeah, he likes the minutia of the, the procedural, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you can see that when the in one of the first, in the first issue when she goes to um, Charlotte, I think her, her name is, the, the, the person she's trying to... Charlotte, the granddaughter. Yeah, the granddaughter. She goes to her place and she starts checking out and it's like, oh, so they have a oh, scene yeah. of, they have a scene of him going, her going to the bathroom and seeing there's little rings around where the shampoo was yeah, taken. Yeah, yeah, Or when, when she goes to the door and notices, oh, hey, the door jam wasn't knocked out. So, you know, she wasn't, there was no forced entry. A, yeah. And he, he picks up these little tiny things that would 
that would fill out the character. Like the character's smart about this, and she's actually doing her job, and she's an investigator, mm-hmm. you know. And so a lot of these times where you think, okay, well, she has no leads, and she eventually like, okay, I meet this person, and she kind of stirs up the pot, and then watches where, and then tails them, and watches where she goes, um, which I really enjoy that part of of the storyline. And and it, and when I was reading this, it kind of reminds me of of like Chinatown. One of those okay. things yeah. where they send they send this this PI who's down on his luck onto something where he's going to get set up and, and she meets um, Dill and the whale a couple times where wherever <laughs> yeah. whenever Dill she's on the right the path whale. yeah <laughs> Dill makes up and I Dill and, and the one whale of the, one of the things that I really like this is how it started out where her being pulled out of a trunk and getting shot is like oh, okay well is this going to be you know how her day ended up to where she's getting killed is is that the end of it like if this is a one-off or not and all when it's leading up to this before she leaves her her brother you, she's like oh where's my vest so he's like okay real this is how she's going to get out of being shot because you put her in a situation where oh she should be dead it's like no nah, technically this is how she gets out of it and it's really smart writing and i that's one thing that i really enjoyed about this you know and there's there and other things there's different characters that you wouldn't see in normal books like her her brother who has down syndrome or is is yeah. a little developmentally disabled you no. kind of you can't really tell you know they and they did draw him kind of like he looks Kind of Down syndrome ish. It's pretty clear that he's he's yeah. but he loves Halo, Halo and Call of Duty though. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> who doesn't yeah. love Halo and Call of Duty? Yeah. I hate yeah, Halo exactly. And so there's all these different characters that round out the life that makes it living. They're not they're not like stereotypes or um, car- cut out characters that you can just slap in anywhere. You know, they all have personalities themselves. I I enjoy that is it. one of my favorite part. One of my favorite moments in the book is the second time she runs into Dylan the <laughs> whale, and she's she goes to the hotel to meet up with uh, Isabel and Charlotte, Charlotte yep. and they clock her over the head and steal her car. <laughs> yeah. And she like Snatch she grab. she comes out and they get into kind of a confrontation with Dylan the whale, and then. Um, and then Isabel and Charlotte steal her car and leave her behind with Dylan the whale and with the empty gun and yeah and <laughs> and, and D- she's just standing there watching them drive away and Dill goes, "Girl, you have got the worst luck I have yeah. ever seen." Dude. And she just goes, "Yeah, tell yeah, me about it." <laughs> yeah, she, like, she then, tries. She tries to shoot the tires. Can't shoot the tires. Uh, she's like, click click, 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 and like they're all watching the car drive away. <laughs> yeah. Just like. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like. Yeah. It's a moment. It's a moment of agreement between like Dill the whale and her. Like they're just like, <laughs> like shit. It, does, it does a classic scene of actually throwing the gun at the person. But, yeah. Okay. She does. It actually works. She throws the gun and hits. He's like, oh yeah. Fuck. But, okay. Away. So wait, wait, wait. Hold but, on for one second. So I think that the her bad luck is sort of all leading up to the end. Because mm-hmm. every single situation has the worst possible outcome. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Murphy so, is, is definitely... So when she gets to the scene where she's like, well, what do I got to trust you on? He's like, my word. She gets to the scene, and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to kill you. Surprise. And she's like, okay, so I realize that I have bad situations that happen to me all the time, so I plan I for this plan. <laughs> I actually planned for this one. I finally planned for Zinga. something ahead of time. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, and the thing is, all she really does have is her word, because her luck is shitty, and she's smart and resourceful, but at the same time, broke and, you know... Smart and yeah. resourceful does not necessarily make the best decisions. Not so much. Bad life which decisions. Is, which is one of the things that I really enjoyed about the character, is mm-hmm. that you, you see her just sometimes do some stupid shit. The character yeah. You know you're going to get the <laughs> shit beat out of you again, right? The yeah. character is ultra flawed. This yeah. Is yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But at the same time, at the end, when she's like, 
well, the thing about that is I have two other copies, three other copies of the hard drive, and here's where two of them are, and the other one's secret, secret, you jerk. Uh, you know she's telling the truth because she yeah. she's very... She's got zero reason not to. She doesn't yeah. bluff. She has that big speech about like, well, here's how all the ways my life categorically sucks and, you know, my <laughs> developmentally have, disabled brother brings of, in more steady income than me. I have a collection of t-shirts the, that yes, exactly. tell more about my adolescence, adolescence than I really want to know. Two <laughs> pairs of shoes and one dress that I'm, I'm not ashamed, not ashamed to be seen in. Right? Yeah. Like, that's great because that's just her just completely laying it all out on the table, which sets her up for the guy being like, okay, I completely believe you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. think you're bluffing. Oh, but that oh, also crap. sets her up, and that's the, that's another one of those decisions where it also sets her up for being screwed later. Oh yeah, because she's like, this is all I got. This is, I'm laying it all out here for you. And the yeah. bad guy who doesn't have as much scruples or honesty as she does oh, is like, yeah. oh, she's laying it all out for me. I can believe her, and I can use it to, to screw, screw her, her later. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, which it like a, a lot. Bleh. With which a lot like Columbo, you know, yeah. shows this weakness is like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of bumbling through life and whatever. It's like, oh, okay, I can take advantage of this. And then she's just like, well, no, actually, I've had, I have stipulations for this. Well, yes, I knew you're going to shoot me. There's no way that you're this crime boss is going to let this girl live. I may, you gotta I ha- may make bad decisions and have a crappy life, but I'm not stupid. Yeah, yeah. it's always. <laughs> I think that's a theme. That's with, a- with with Columbo, it's always the. Wait, one, one more just question. One more thing. Just yeah. one more thing. And yeah. that, yeah, that, that well, definitely. Well, just, yeah, just one more thing. Just one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and one, one way that he shows that she is smart, too, is when, when Caroline and the uh, Charlotte were running away, right, from the elevator. Isabella they just clocked Charlotte? over. Isabella, thank yeah. you. Sorry. Isabella and Charlotte were running away, and they clocked her over her head, and she was catching up and still doozy. And the valet comes up. is like, hey, can I get you your car? And he's like, oh, they took valet. He's <laughs> like, uh, okay, they're not going anywhere yeah. because they still need the way for their car. Isabel said, it's okay. I could drive it. <laughs> One long sentence. As she's jumping in the car. Yeah. That's, uh, that was awesome. Yeah. So, so she's a... Bitch, she's I want a, my Porsche back. <laughs> she's a smart character, you know, and which you don't see a lot. I mean, like, you have all these characters, like... Um, Mr. Fantastic is a classic example where they always come up with some ex machina because of their intellect mm-hmm. that that you know solves the problem. Where this one, she actually uses her cleverness, yeah, which I enjoyed so much more. And that that solution that she comes up with at the end is not just it's it's um, it's so believable because of the way they set her up earlier mm-hmm. in the book. There, it doesn't feel like a oh well. Here's my solution to this problem that came out of fucking thin air. I yeah. it's like copies of the hard drive of the PC that we didn't mention before this because I needed a way out. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're going with. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, I just it it. F- I, it made sense that they found the actual computer on like the front seat of her car. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, left it in plain sight. <laughs> that <laughs> seems like the sort of thing she would do, and it is. Except yeah. that she was. And here, this time. here's the here's the thing. Like that that's the part where they're they're a little ambiguous at the end, yeah. which is one. Of, so the scene. So spoilers for the ending. She we haven't already. She gets Spoiler out alert. of the she gets out of the bad situation by by telling him that um you know she made copies of the hard drive and she's got one that's you know that she sent to uh, the cop and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the book, you see the co- the cop she's talking to. I can't remember the cop's name, what her name is, but she's talking to her cop friend. And the cop is like, I got this FedEx package. What is it? She's like, oh, nothing, and grabs it from her and then tosses it in the trash. And 
that's the part where it's like it's a little ambiguous about whether or not she did actually make copies, make copies of the hard drive. Yeah. Or, and there's part of it to me that feels like in her resourcefulness, she she maybe didn't, you know, she maybe just sent an empty fucking yeah, box. Yeah, she bluffed. And did bluff. Mm. Um, because, but that's one of the, that's another thing that, that is really great about Rucka's writing is he doesn't fucking explain it. Yeah. And he doesn't no. need to. No, he doesn't. Because it's not essential to the storyline for you to know whether or not she bluffed or not. Yes. That's it's, sort of delicious mystery. Yeah, it, 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 actually adds quite a bit of depth and lets you and makes you think about huh i wonder if she i wonder if she just fucking stopped long enough to send an empty box and then was dumb enough to leave the computer on the front seat of her car instead of doing something (laughs) proper with it you know because it seems like a mistake that she would make yeah yeah classic mcguffin I, um, it doesn't really matter what what it was or what the information was that was on the computer that they were going to kill Charlotte for. Yeah, yeah. you know because that's not the that wasn't the point of the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I like that as as sort of indicative of her limited moral standpoint in terms of like she's hired to find this girl. That's it. There's a whole bunch of other crime boss stuff happening, and and she it seems like she would just as well sidestep it. Yeah. Like I don't really care who's killing whom as long as it's not me and it's not Charlotte. Right. Right. And and th- that is one of the interesting parts about toward the end cuz like the 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 slight hiccup in the story is you know she gets hired by Charlotte to to erase her debt to find her granddaughter. Uh she gets pulled in by this this mobster guy. Yeah. And she gets hired she th- she then gets pulled aside by this um by this mobster and told if you know we'll pay you double not to not to not do your job but just to tell us first and she she very much is just like it, it's not it's weird because it's not even like a it's not even like a high you know like a what am i trying to say she's she doesn't get on like a high horse moral thing about not doing it she's just uh-huh. like no i was hired to do a job and i just want to do the fucking job yeah. she's just, it's it's more like she's tired yeah right? she's just like yeah. i don't want to deal with you i just i just don't want to i just i just, wanna, I just, I just don't want to have credit at the fucking casino yeah. anymore just leave me alone <laughs> it's like true i she I'm, wants to simplify her life yeah yes she does all she wants is a fucking Bacon maple bar. That's <laughs> right. it. A bacon maple bar. One of the best. One of the best things about reading this book for me, having grown up in the Pacific Northwest, is the fact that they nail, if not the specific details, the feel of living in the Pacific fucking Northwest. Oh, yeah. Like they get. He just. I mean, Rucka clearly knows it. He's been here forever. Like, um, and Matt Southworth lives here too. So, uh, they just. To once to go back to the whole bacon maple bar thing, I think that is a specifically like Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah. well, that's a voodoo. that was a voodoo donut, donut, donut voodoo specialty. Donuts, yeah. yeah, and um, but they just they just get it. They get the feel right. You know, I've seen I've I have read other books uh, that have been set in cities that I've been to or lived in that are that that just don't they don't understand whoever's writing it wanted to set it there but didn't know about it right they get like everything from like the feel of the tribal casino kind Every of their culture and the <laughs> <laughs> although there was also a stump town coffee in the background uh-huh, which i appreciated uh-huh, uh-huh. um but they just they just get it he just gets it right and and it's it's nice it's kind of, it's similar um less extreme but similar to scarlet right scarlet is yeah. set in portland and it's v- it's very portland um and you know maleve 
the difference is that Maleve doesn't actually live in the Pacific Northwest. So everything that he's drawing around Portland is based on photo reference that Bendis gives him. Whereas Mount, Matt Southworth lives in fucking Portland. You can and tell. Rucka lives in Portland. And you can tell. You can tell that they know this area. They know the culture. They know, um, <laughs> they know how it's different from, like... Maleve isn't local? <clears throat> he's East Coast, I believe. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, you know... Uh, Sorry to derail. No, that's fine. They just the thing that I that I like about it is that Seattle and Portland specifically are somewhat large cities. They're they're clearly not on the scale of something like New York, or L.A., or Chicago. And when you write um, procedural dramas of any kind, especially centering around police or, or PIs the feel of how they go about their duties and how about how the the city around them feels is going to be way different than it is for somebody who's like a hardened New York cop or something and they get that right they get the feel of that right it's 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 small time to be honest it's, and that's it's small time in the grand scheme of things but it matters to the characters that are involved yeah. because this is where they this is where they're doing their shit sort of an interesting contrast to an earlier book that we did in, set in the Pacific Northwest uh, there's a, a huge gap of quality between this book and something like The Green River Killer. Oh, yeah. And I think this is very much a credit to Rucka's writing. Yeah. Where Green River Killer did not seem like it was set in... Yeah, and it was written by a dude who lived yeah. here his yeah. whole life and still couldn't get the feel yeah. right. I think it was mostly because he was a novice writer of comics, and I don't think he figured out the flow and setting that, that was could be. and like narrative arc. Like one of the things we talked about <laughs> with Green River lack of narrative arc. Well, that was the thing. <laughs> I don't think he decided what genre it was and which character he was going to follow and which arc was going to be the main yeah. arc. So it ended up as a muddle. Um, yeah. I honestly think that was a fault of the writer, not the artist, in that case. True, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I just sort of wanted to like, like I was thinking about true, it, I'm like, though. man, we did another book that was set in the Pacific Northwest, and it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the thing. Okay, like, so can I can I just say one thing? Is that I lent the Green River Killer just recently, just last week, to a friend, and he loved it. And I was ridiculed for not liking it. A lot it. of people, a lot of people loved it. Yeah. I, we are like the only group of people that didn't like it because I it got rave reviews yeah. everywhere that it was reviewed. And it was just... I think people freak out about true crime. They're like, oh, even though all stories, even news stories are presented to me in a really specific way to, you know, engender a specific reaction, if this really happened, that means it's real and I can be more automatically invested in it. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people that I talked to about the Green River Killer book, um, especially if they were, you know, a little older than me... um, lived through it here, right? Mm. They lived yeah. through the story. So, and I think we talked about this on the show, but but that part of it, it it's, it's odd because their connection to the Green River Killer book was having lived through it and seen it go on the news and seen all the things that happened around it and then read this book and it kind of filled in gaps of things that they missed from, mm-hmm. the, from the media coverage. The difference to me between that and the experience I got out of Stumptown is that... Um, I didn't really live through the Green River Killer thing. Like it happened when I was alive and when I was here, but I didn't really, I wasn't old enough to really pay any attention to it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like the book didn't have any of the Pacific Northwest feel. So without prior knowledge of like the shit that happened around the Green River Killer, the, the feeling didn't, didn't matter to me. Stumptown on the other hand, having grown up here, I can read this book and it's like, I get it. And it, the feel is right. And it, um, 
it it hits all the right notes and the right nerves t- for me to be like, yeah, th- I get it. This is set in the Pacific Northwest, and I believe it. So the most yeah. important question: Bye, borrow or burn? Bye in a heartbeat. Eddie, bye. And I'd buy. I think it's a classic of the noir genre. Yeah, I buy. Yeah. That makes it unanimous. This is a, a unanimous five-person buy for Stumptown. Unanimous. I don't think there's ever been one. Uh, maybe not. For five I think. people. No. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, this book is it's available on Comixology. Uh, there is not a there is not a soft cover trade of this book. The which only way is just it, fine, which is just fine. It's uh, a really attractive hardcover. Yeah, yeah it, is, it exists. It um, it exists in single issues, which are kind of hard to find, and a very attractive hardcover for thirty bucks yep. uh, cover. But you can probably, if you get it on Amazon, like most comic shops, have it discounted. Um, that also being said, we have just reviewed the first trade. The second trade has now come out of a, a second five-issue arc centered around the same character, uh, set in the same setting. And oh, Dexedrine. Yep, <laughs> and it, it, it is a phenomenal, f- unanimous buy. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, so uh, we don't fucking know what we're going to do for the next few shows. It'll so, be a surprise. Um, we will try we do, and get that. We're just not the talking about it. Life. We're going to try and get that posted to the website. There are, just so listeners know about the website and the show, um, our other podcast, After the Fact, is ending. We're going to record the final episode next week, and then the entire website of geekerific.com is going to concentrate entirely from that point forward on comic books and on uh, trade secrets as a podcast. So you'll get... Hopefully, that'll increase the quality of this show because we'll be able to focus on it more. Uh, you'll also hopefully get a lot more content on the website than we've been able to pr- provide in the past. Just one podcast? Just one podcast. Yeah. Fucking weird. Yeah, totally. Um, so, that being said, so uh, we have no idea what we're doing uh, for the next several shows, but that information will be posted to the website as soon as possible. Um Hopefully, once we get that information posted, we'll get some reader, f- listener feedback and some questions and stuff we can put on the show. If you want to contact us for that, you can email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com. You can hit us up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, or you can hit us on uh, Twitter at tradesecretspod. We are all individually on Twitter. Have you fixed your Sambo Black thing, or are you still Grape Doctor? I'm just Grape Doctor. All right. That's it. Eddie is at Grape Doctor Grape DR. I'm going to get you a grape whistle. <laughs> I am at Geek Elite. Anne is at... I am at Anne Bean Tweets. Joel? Uh, Superfly. Superfly. Mathastrophe. Mathastrophe. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. We talk on our Twitter accounts more than we talk on the show's Twitter account. Hopefully that'll change too. But um, just primarily want to let everybody know that this is going to be the focus of Geekerific going forward. Uh, so we're hoping to get you a lot better quality. So... Uh, <laughs> Thank everybody for coming out on a Saturday morning and recording this show. Thank you, Eddie. You're welcome. Gambo Dune. Thank you, man. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Th- thank you, Joel. You're welcome. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> I am Luke. This has been episode 53 of the Trade Secrets Podcast, and we are out. Sharknado. Work it harder, make it better. Do it faster, make sense stronger. All that never